Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Our top priority at the minute is people. It has been 100% since coming out of lockdown. Obviously, that's. I still don't think anybody has really fully understood what that did to people and people's minds and people's routines and people's habits and all that sort of stuff. And we understood that sort of personally and we understood that from our team's perspective when they came in. It was all there in a way. We've just brought that to the forefront of the business and and wrapped it all in with that new training, uh, well, learning and development programs and, and sort of just really put that at the forefront of, of the whole business. And therefore, you know, as I say, that's why we think we've had a really good year. It's, you know, the team is everything. You know, without good team, we will never succeed in business. So. This time I had the great place. I've not just been joined by one amazing guest, but two guests from the Escapees in Bar Group, head of learning development, Flynn Byrne, and Managing Director, Grand Dexter. And this was the first time I also had somebody from the nightlife on the show. So I was very excited about this conversation because I was sure we could get some new learnings and perspectives that we all could take in to our businesses. In this conversation, they share their learnings of bouncing back from the pandemic and what they have done to ensure they create a workplace that people love and support. And we get a specific example of which people's practices they have boosted new life into and how they've implemented a number of new L&D initiatives that boosted performance and engagement from the frontline employees to the management. We also dive into the learnings they've had the last two years and what they expect for the future. Before you tune in, please sign up for your weekly newsletter Maverick Talk, which is packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Find the links in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Now, Grab your notebook and drink because you're in for a ride when it comes to optimizing your people practices. I'm really excited today because we we, we are traveling uh, in an online way uh, into the front line of people that's actually been, you know, creating experiences in the nightlife and I actually think as I was preparing for this this is the first time we have somebody from the nightlife on the show and I'm very excited about that because it's not like something I obvious hadn't thought about or didn't want to think about exactly when they reached out I thought yeah that's that's obvious we need to hear what's going on in hospitality when it comes to having parties and having fun and experiences uh, in the evening and the night. So it brings me a great pleasure to uh, invite both Grant and Flynn to the show today. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and also it's quite unusual. It's very, I've done a couple of times, but also we are have two guests today and you both represent and going to talk about different things for business but i also think it's really exciting thing. so we'll do our best to to control that and control time as well because always when you are three people in a in a conversation but i can promise you guys out there we we're in for for a treat today we're going to be talking about experiences of course and how you create those experiences through great culture so with that said i think it's it's good if so i don't butcher your your business at grand that you maybe get a bit of background because this is a business with a good long history indeed so so yes we'll start off where it where it first came from and i suppose where the idea came from so the business originally was uh, set up by mel and phil harrison uh it was a couple who uh have started the business in 2004 uh the reason that the start of the business was, I think, after they both uh, worked and lived in America for a while, they were just inspired by hospitality in America, the service, uh, and, and the difference in service in, in the US compared to what it was in the UK. 
Uh, when they came back, they really wanted to be in charge of their own destiny, uh, you know, and sort of really be able to get out there and show people what hospitality and service should be. Uh, and, and that's where Me and I Cat was born in 2004. Over the years, it's been really interesting as I'm diving into it. It's not like just one brand. It's a number of brands that's represented under the umbrella. And it's also very interesting that you right now, and then you can tell a bit more, I know you're expanding, but you're, you're operating these brands quite close to each other as well. Yeah, so there's the seven brands now in total, uh, all in one city, uh, five of which on one street and two on another street in Leeds. Uh, very much, you know, next door to each other. But because the brands are so unique and different, most people wouldn't know or realize that they were the same uh, company because, you know, they're all completely unique. And what was it that made them take that decision about developing a, a group of brands uh, instead of saying, oh, we have one brand that works really well and now we're just going to put that literally in the copy machine and do it again and again and again? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the, the, the sort of the company's organically grown in a way through success from, from me and IDCAT and then having an opportunity to open Verve, uh, which was actually next door to me and IDCAT. So I think originally it's sort of, you know, Phil, uh, one of the owners has, you know, the ideas, you know, the sort of, you know, what goes through his head in terms of creativity and the sort of the themes and brands that he's come up with are never ending, really. We, you know, we probably could have 20 different brands if we continued on that journey. Uh, and, and I think that's why, you know, we've ended up with seven unique ones because of the creativity that, that Phil has. And you are, you are now looking at expanding, I know, and you're taking the brand further on leads. Can you share a bit about that and why you made that decision? Because you, you had a business that was very close together. I guess that gives you a lot of benefits that you're in the same city, you can manage things, but now you're moving outside leads. Yeah, so, you know, it's strange to say over the past couple of years during what has happened, we're actually in the best position that the business has ever been in. You know, we've had a record year. Because of that record year, it's allowed us the, well, the freedom now to be able to really start to expand, which was something that, that Mel and Phil have always wanted to do. Uh, during that two years, we've built an amazing team. You know, we have now, we're 11 strong uh, in our HQ, as we call it. Uh, every one of them, people in HQ has is, is come from a, a working bar background and a lot of them have worked the way up through uh, different jobs within that. So we very much now have such a strong team that we feel that we can go anywhere really and, and make that, make that venue a success. Another thing I was thinking about uh, as you were talking there, Grant, was that what is it that lend and makes these brands or experiences, let's call it that, so unique uh, and different from each other? Because I guess it's, it's, it's very hard actually to maintain seven different experiences yeah 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 i'm sort of trying to uh trying to keep on top and keep that unique experience for seven different brands is is uh quite difficult but i think what makes them different is you know the venues themselves are very immersive you know for example you can go into tiki hideaway there's no windows you really feel like you're in that you know polynesian paradise of a visit in a different part of the world and you sort of just get sucked into that experience and you know, you end up staying all night type of thing. So, uh, so yeah. And one of the things I, I noticed as well was that uh, when I was looking online, I haven't been in the venues. I've probably gone a bit too old maybe to, to do that. But I actually noticed as well that uh, it almost seemed like that, you know, you could be uh, have one experience one night and then you can go from Polynesia and you can go to almost American bar and you can, you know, rock music as well. And I guess that's also what people are looking for, are different experiences when they go out. Yeah, you're right. I think, you know, we have, as you say, from from that Polynesian paradise, which is Tiki Hideaway, to the Deep South Dive Bar, Johnny Cash-themed Mean Eye Cat, for example, uh, you know, at Brooklyn, which is very much a sort of uh, Brooklyn-inspired hip-hop, graffiti-cultured bar. Uh, you, that's the thing, you know, we offer so many different experiences. That I think we can never become boring on, on a night out. You know, you can move from one venue to the next, and, you know, it, it's so powerful being able to offer that experience instead of being, you know, one brand, the same thing, night on night. And, it, you know, it can become quite boring. I think over the past couple of years, people have really wanted 
a different, unique experience. And I, and I think that's probably why we've, you know, done as well over the past uh, year since reopening, you know, that we'll have. So. It's very interesting. Also, you said you had like a record year and uh, there's, of course, pinned up demand and so on. But I had as a, the first time I talked with you and you told me like it's going really well. I thought, can that really be true? Because I just had that feel and have heard on the on the grapevines that, you know, n- nightlife was really hit hard, especially in the first two lockdowns, uh, because, yeah, it was just like there was no way that you guys would have any guests for, for a long, long time because like social distance and mission impossible in principle. Um, so so what is it that that's done, you think, that has been the, like the, besides pent up demand and it's continuing and you say, you told me before we started, well, like this is just continuing and people are still want to, to go out and we have inflation, we have, you know, pressure on living costs and so on. Yeah, I, I think I think one thing that really stood us in good stead when reopening is we, we you know, we didn't just close and come back to work the week before reopening. We, you know, worked really hard. You know, me and Flynn were sat in the boardroom uh, and on Zoom, literally talking about how can we really improve the business? How can we really, you know, put all of the training, learning and development all in place to really accelerate the business? So we used that time to really, in a way, audit the business, look at it all and and, and put the key features in place that really drive it. Uh, you know, in, including, you know, a really slick order and pay up to new cocktail menus at the venues and, you know, really, really sort of excited for, you know, that first day that you can open to get going. Uh, and I think a lot of businesses were quite hesitant. They didn't want to, a lot, a lot didn't want to open because of the, you know, having to deal with social distancing and all the room uh, rules, sorry, and all of the things that came in place with it, really, where we just embraced that change uh, diversified the business and really, really drove it forward. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's probably why you know we've had the year that we have. Uh, people have loved the experience and just kept coming back. You know that the teams are amazing, and that's what people come back for. So you know we have amazing teams, and that's that's what that's what made it work for us. I think this year. Yeah, super, super interesting. Uh, we'll come back to that in a second. One thing I also wanted just to to, to touch on before we, we we need to hear a bit more about the, the people and the work you mentioned you've done over the, the the lockdown. But what is like your top priorities right now? Then as a business in the nightlife industry, what is like your top priority right now? It's going well, you're saying, but what, how do you keep that? Uh, momentum to be honest i mean i'll add it's flint speaking now i'll take over on that one it's you've said that we'll sort of that'll be the last question before we move on to the people but our, our top priority at the minute is people it has been 100 since coming out of lockdown obviously that's i still don't think anybody has really fully understood what that did to people and people's minds and people's routines and people's habits and all that sort of stuff and we understood that sort of personally and we understood that from our team's perspective when they came in over lockdown, a lot of it was to do with structure. A lot of it was to do with what we have in place in terms of training and, and sort of the, the frameworks that we work off of. But once we came out of lockdown, it was quite plain to see that people were a little bit tentative coming back to work, a little bit all over the place, for, for want of a better phrase. So the focus went straight on to our people. We knew we needed to make it a comfortable experience coming back to work. We knew we needed to get them behind some of the changes that we'd made over lockdown. Um, and essentially just, yeah, the, 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 my realm and my role is to make sure that we're, we're working in a company that's great for the people that work for us. Um, so we needed to hit the ground running straight away to to ensure they are behind the stuff that, that business-wise we need to be pushing hard, you know? Yeah, and it leads us into the people, as you said. So, so over lockdown, uh, Grant mentioned before that you really worked on, you're really defining what it meant to for you to be a business after when this is over, this is the kind of business we're going to be and this is what we would like to see from our people. How did you actually develop the uh, the strategy and the initiative and how do you actually make it work? Because I think, I think a lot of people spend the time thinking and then, but it's all about implementation. We all know that. So when, you know, you have to hit the ground running, that's where it starts to become reality, your plans. 100% and I think we both knew that that was going to be the biggest challenge from from the get-go before we even started putting things on paper that we knew that that was going to be the biggest challenge we already had 
um, a sort of culture in place that we knew needed tweaking. It's a great, exciting, vibrant culture, but it sort of needed reining in a little bit. And I suppose what we knew that we needed to do was first sort of, you know, for Grant just coming in, he needed to meet people and, and be friendly with the people and make sure people like, you know, got on, we got on with them and they were listening and respected what was being said. From that point, actually practically rolling it out, we started with um, what I called the train Epalooza. And it was a day just before we were opening up. I think it was about a week before we were fully, fully opening the doors. And it was just a fun day of kind of activities related to the bar, just to get people back inside the venue, get people behind the bar again, you know, holding, holding bottles, pouring liquors, whatever it may be. But it just had a bit of a fun vibe, a few drinks. We were there to see each other again after two years. People haven't been in the same room as, as anyone else, you know. So the first part was really understanding that we're not coming in and we're going, right, we're a business, get to work. This is the new framework. It's we're, we're, a, we're a team and we're a group that, that all get on with each other. Let's get back in. Let's say hello. Let's let's do that. And then slowly start saying, you know, here's, here's the things that we've been working on. And on top of that, ensuring that they understand why we were bringing it in and what 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 they were going to get out of it as well as what we were going to get out of it as a business um, was a really huge part of it. And I think, to be honest, it, it rolled out smoother than I ever could have expected. People, people were on board pretty quickly um, because they could see that we were, really, we were doing it to improve the company as a whole for them as well as, you know, top line profits and, and all that sort of stuff, which, which is just as is, is important as well, so... What was like the top three uh, things you changed to and where you actually needed there, you know, the people's engagement, you know, you always need people to drive them. There's some things where you need them more. What was like the top three things and what did you do specifically to drive those, those changes? The top one for me and really the sole one for me was a, was a training structure that, that had, there wasn't training in, in escapism before I sort of, well, I came in about half a year before lockdown. And then it was, as I say, the lockdown was the time that we really had the time in our heads to start putting things pen to paper and start getting the structure in. Um, so yeah, the training was my sole sort of focus. And I just built that the way that we brought it in is built three different workbooks um, for the different levels. So we have a, a bartender workbook, a supervisor workbook, and then a management training academy for the for the upper management now. Um, and we, we did it probably in a slightly backwards way in terms of going from bottom to top. We started with the bartenders instead of the what, what you would probably usually do is get the managers trained up and then they can kind of cascade that down. We knew that we wanted to start from the bottom because that's where the service was. And that was the first thing that people coming back into the business, guests wise, that was the first thing they were going to see. And if you've not been to a bar for two years and you walk through the doors and you get the big welcome and you get that great services, which is what we can what we can offer, you're not going anywhere again after that. You know, you're coming back to see us for sure um, because that's the, the first experience you've had in two years. So yeah, we, we got the guys on board in terms of just having sort of occasional training sessions, getting them in for induction, showing them what's there. Um, and in terms of that as well, obviously, you know, I think Grant would probably be able to talk about it a little bit more, but the, the pay structure and things that we brought in really gave them a reason, incentivized the, the training. Um, you know, we have a pay structure that, that pays certified bartenders uh, more once they've certified. Uh, and all of our pay now is, is you know, above, above minimum wage and, and in a good, a, a good realm there. So... Uh, that was a big one for for my role for sure. Yeah, that's super interesting, you know, because like it seems like you had created training programs that then incentivize. So if you achieve mastery, you in a way get rewarded financially, and also I guess you know there's also the reward of feeling being good at something, competence and confidence. You get a little cocktail tip as well as a reward as well when you uh, when you certify each level because obviously you know we make cocktails so. <laughs> So to talk me through, Grant, a bit about the, the new benefits program, because that sounds like a really important pillar to support the, the training and definitely something that's been talked about a lot where lots of people are catching up now with proper pay or making sure that people are paid what they need to have a living in principle. Yeah, so I, I mean, sort of, uh, I suppose, picking up in the training, I mean, Flynn started off with them blackboard sessions of writing down, you know, every single thing we wanted our teams to know uh, in terms of knowledge, all the skills, everything like that. But I, I really felt that, you know, if we want them to come in on days off, training days, all that sort of stuff, you know, we have to give them a reason to want to do that. Uh, 
you know, so I was really passionate about bringing in a, a pay structure that when you get to a certain level, you hit that next pay. There's a real drive and a training program in place for you to be able to move forward again. And when you hit that level, you know, you can then move forward and, and you know, hit, do that train, hit that level again. So you can't, you, you don't have to stop in a way. You can come in, you know, our program in a way is called bar back to boardroom. You know, you start off as a bar back, you collect glasses, you know, you keep the bars running, you know, you sort of, you're that sort of really, and, and, and if anything, the most important part of a bar working uh, on a busy shift, you know, you start off there and actually within a number of years, you can you can be in, in HQ, you can be in the office, you can be, you know, working with us, main Flynn upstairs and the rest of the guys. Uh, so that that's all in place now, but we felt that it was really important to be able to pay people the right amount of money not somebody coming in working, you know, 40 hours a week, but still struggling to get by, to be able to have that work-life balance, be able to go out and enjoy a nice meal or be able to buy something nice for themselves from working hard. So we really, really wanted to make sure that that balance was there, which in- includes good pay. Uh, so, you know, I, I sort of I sat, I'm a spreadsheet man as well as, you know, that, that people person. I sort of, you know, Flynn will tell you that. I, I love a spreadsheet. Uh, it's well well known. And I, I sort of calculated, you know, where are we at now? Where, how much do people need to earn uh, to be able to have that good living and, you know, sort of uh, come in and not have to think about, oh, I'm not going to be able to pay this bill this month, et cetera. So we, we put the pay structure in starting off, you know, minimum wage starts off at, you know, 656, for example. We don't feel that anybody doing that same bartender job or barback job should be paid any less than anybody else based upon age. You know, whether you're 18, whether you're 23, whether you're 25, you're doing the same job with the same level of skill with, you know, hopefully that same level of ability that's came through the training programs and therefore you're worth that same amount of money. Uh, So we we put that pay structure in place, you know, on, on them rates of pay, we, we pay more than 30% more than minimum wage on them rates of pay uh, so that, you know, people have that real drive to want to achieve, upskill themselves, be better, you know, as a, as a person. And we can, we can really help them do that. Uh, and that goes all the way up to a general manager, you know, not even mentioning the bonus schemes, you know, and sort of target-driven incentives that we do for the guys as well, so... And so you do the training, you, you put new training in place to really get the, the, the business reboots and deliver the service you want. And you again intensified when people show the right behaviors uh, around training. Is there other things, you know, is there one or two more things you, you did to, 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 to fuel the opening and where you are now? Uh, I think, you know, like Flynn mentioned before, the, the culture in a way we was already there, very much the vision and the values and, and everything of the business was so strong before you know me and flynn during that training and working with the rest of the teams have just really been able to put that at the forefront of the business uh you know the it all culturally you know mel and phil have always closed all the bars four times a year took the teams away for it what we're calling a way day uh you know done incentivized things all of the time and you know had an amazing bonus scheme uh for people to be able to really you know earn a lot of money it, it was all there in a way we've just you know bought brought that to the forefront of the business and and wrapped it all in with that new training uh well learning development programs and and sort of just really put that at the forefront of, of you know the whole business and therefore you know as i say that's why we think we've had a really good year it's you know the team is everything, you know, without good team, we will never succeed in business. So yeah, and then it leads me to asking the question, I have to, you know, staffing crisis, how have you been impacted by that? Because it seems like you had something really good in place from a, a culture and, and, a, and a foundation that you could build on as you, and then become back even better than you were pre pandemic. But how have you been impacted by that? Because that's like the conversation I hear all over. Europe, all over the world, this is our number one challenge. I suppose, you know, that I think I think the first thing was, you know, when COVID struck and, you know, all the bars closed, everybody was thinking, you know, do do I have a job now? You know, where's my money coming from? I, I was one of them people. I, I joined Escapism four days before the lockdown. Uh, you know, the first time I seen a lot of the, the team was me, you know, walking around on that Friday night saying, you know, hi, I'm Grant. Uh and the bars closed type of thing you know it was it was such a strange experience but I, I think starting out from there you know every single person within the business was put on furlough and kept employed the people that weren't eligible for furlough including myself 
uh, was kept on employed and, and paid, you know, Mellon Phil War. You know, at that point, that really proved to me, you know, me making that decision to leave one company and come to the other. That solidified that to me after, you know, within a week of moving. Uh, and I think because of that, you know, we opened with our teams, our people who, you know, were fantastic bartenders, you know, and we, we had that really strong core to every single team. Uh, before opening, you know, we ran, Flynn done an amazing job running some recruitment days where we got a load of people down, uh, done it, doing it in that really fun way. Uh, and we hired, it was around another 20 people, I think, across the group at that time. So when we opened, we had, you know, really strong numbers to be able to deliver the, the type of service that we wanted. And then since then, the team turnover has been minuscule, really. It's been really, really low. So I, 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 it seems strange to say, but I don't think we actually had a staff crisis at any real point apart from when everybody had COVID and people were off. Uh, isolate. Uh, I don't think we have really had that or, or have seen that in, in the past couple of months. Uh, I think because of, you know, the furlough situation and then the recruitment days and the work that Flynn put into really building the team before opening. Mm. I think just to add to that, I think we've had more original employees come back to work for us than we've actually had that we've lost <laughs> since since because obviously we're growing and the teams are getting bigger and bigger and you know the, the guys that did stick around with us are obviously fairly pleased that they're still here so the the word of mouth getting back to people that may have left for whatever reason in covid uh they're actually coming back which is great that's interesting that's super interesting that that can be more proof on you doing something right what is the, the next step to increase continue creating this uh, great employee experience and and build culture. Uh, I guess that's you, Flynn. What, what is what is next? Because now now you have a training program again. You have the the a new benefits program that's connected to the training program in place. What are the next big move you're doing to even solidify that experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I've touched on, the, the culture was already there, and the training has been built around. Really, the, the, this is sort of what the, the most special thing for me is that the training has been been built around a culture that was here before I even worked here. And that's kind of what I really wanted to make sure that I did was not lose any of that. Um, so on that, it's just a, a continuation of growing that training. We brought in some external programs, um, mainly focusing on the team's well-being. So most recently, we did the mental health first aid program, um, which myself and all of the upper management across the group um, attended. So it's a two-day course on sort of mental health first aid, which uh, you become an accredited mental health first aider at the end of that, which is great. Um, in terms of that, that's just as part of the culture, we want to make sure that people feel comfortable at work, no matter what they're sort of going through, no matter what they're feeling and making sure that they have the right paths and the right people to speak to. Alongside that, we're working with some uh, local um, drugs and alcohol awareness groups called Forward at the minute as well, just to ensure that if anybody does struggle with that, you know, in our industry, it is unfortunately quite um, quite rife, I suppose. You know, you, you're in close proximity to it, and it is just the sort of the name of the game, I suppose, in the late night hospitality industry. But we want to make sure that you know people are aware that they have the right path to go down if if they do need help and the right people to speak to if 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 they do feel like it's sort of affecting them in that way. Um, we've done an even bigger push on sort of staff incentives and rewards and recognition. That's something that that takes most of my week now. Is you know getting names sent over to me that have had great reviews or have done great things and ensuring that they're, um, you know, it's either maybe vouchers, maybe some maybe some booze, maybe uh, some bar equipment or whatever it may be, as well as bigger trips with um, reps that we work with and companies that we work with. We go on trips to, you know, uh, most recent one was to Manchester to the um, expo there and then some, some sort of tastings and distilleries and obviously drinks and food in the evening. It wouldn't be a, a sort of trip away if we didn't. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. You know, as a as a company, we do a lot of things locally as well. We've we've got an industry boxing event on Tuesday, which is a sort of boxing event that they hold in, in Leeds um, for charity. It's just as I say that the the culture is already so strong that I feel like all we can do is just continue to add to it and ensure that really we just keep pushing that culture that we already have. Um, and part of my role is is the research side of it and just keeping my ear to the ground for anything exciting that that may come up or. Uh, anything you know ahead of the curve so what is it like your general perception of what's going to happen in hospitality and, and you're in the north of england so we can take 
take it from that angle. But, but what? How do you see the uh, the coming period ahead? Because there's like a lot of scaremongering going on. I would say like it's even maybe maybe people see it worse than it's actually gonna be. But there's definitely lots of concern, especially on are people actually gonna stop going out for a period, or are they really gonna you know reduce it to very few things? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's worrying to see you know the number of operators and, and fairly big operators and independent operators closing in different cities. You know, I was talking to to Phil about this last week, and you know we could name six across you know two cities that that have all closed within the last seven days, and I think now we're starting to see that uh, reaction to COVID. And you know, whilst the venues were closed, everybody was you know losing large amounts of money whether they were having to still pay rents whether they were paying a number of bills whether whether they were in a good position at that time or not i suppose really uh, affects on, on on where they are now uh you know and i think i think unfortunately there's there's going to be a lot more closures you know coming if, if you listen to what the experts say you know they say that the the high street's changing now people are people are out there really looking for an experience uh uh, I think the you know the sort of the casual dining has really been hit because of people people aren't in the city centres they're working remotely they're not in the offices as often as they were uh, so I think that sort of five till nine five till ten trading period for a lot of casual diners has really been struck. Uh, luckily, we do you know eighty eighty five percent of uh, of all we trade you know from ten eleven pm onwards. Uh, we are we are late night we are cocktail party you know fun immersive experience so luckily we i think sit outside of that but i think you know there's going to be a lot of casual dining brands burger uh sort of places and stuff like that that are, that are really going to get hit so what you're saying indirectly which i actually totally agree with as i communicate after the people that have a very you know specific unique proposition that creates like a connection to my experience to my heart to my senses will still have a place and people will still be belonging to that. And when they go out and spend money, they will probably splash a bit more at it than they would have done before. So you being in the middle and being average, it's not a, it's not a case if you can't compete on price anymore. Yeah. I, I think it's one thing we've, you know, we've never tried to, for example, as you say, compete on price. We've always just stuck at, you know, we want to sell this level. We are premium. We you know we want, we want to do that. And I think, I think a lot of it is to do with whether people are working in the city or not. You know, somebody that works in an office may have went out, you know, two or three times a week, whether it be after work on a Wednesday, Friday, and then maybe went out on a Saturday as well, you know, when, the, when they're not working. And I think now it's more driven towards because they're not in the office and they're not traveling in the city for that drink after work. It, the emphasis now is more so on it's back in a way to how it was many years ago where you know your main trading periods are friday and saturday night uh you know you know so you know all, all be you know we 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 trade okay during the week we you know we've done quite well during the week actually uh which is why we've been able to be consistent with the numbers uh but you know yeah i think it's i think it's going to continue to be difficult probably for another six to 12 months uh during that time you know we've already seen since covid you know, I think there was a stat to say something like, you know, there's this sort of was I think Leeds was like thirteen percent new operators over the past sort of uh over the past six months. So there's new operators, there's new people popping up, taking sites. Uh, you know, so I think I think the high street is really gonna change. You're gonna see a lot of people go and a lot of new, really exciting brands hit the high street. So I think it's exciting times to come because the more great venues you've got there, the more people want to visit that area, that street, that, you know, that town. So it's only really going to benefit everybody in the long run, but the short term, you know, it's going to be really, really difficult, really difficult. And, you know, I'm not, you know, we've talked a lot of, you know, positive, you know, we're trading well, we're doing that, but behind the scenes, you know, I'm doing a lot of work on making sure that we can stay there and we can stay where we are in terms of cost uh you know energy projects on can we save money on you know energy can we save money on water all of them different things to make sure that that money is there for the likes of you know learning development so that flynn's budget is always there so that we can really keep it the forefront uh of the business you know people that's really interesting because that's again as you said yourself or both have said is like that's where the uniqueness come from when the brand's going to be expressed to you through your people 
So what about technology? Because a lot of operators have looked at, you know, you talked about efficiencies there and, and saving. Have you looked at how technology, I don't know, I, I can't really imagine how technology can work in the nightlife. And maybe you can uh, give me a bit of an insight here because technology in the operation, I guess, uh, I, one thing is technology to sell with. I think we all have got that now. We, we can sell with technology and with our phones or whatever it is. But I, how are you using technology actually to boost your, your operation? Or is it actually relevant in, in a bar? environment i mean i, I think in, in most businesses it has to be relevant in some way I, I spend a lot of time with the till systems and things like that which is just obviously it's a necessity we need we need the till systems and whatever but i suppose on on top of that what what we're looking at now and what we kind of looked at from from lockdown was the app system so the order and pay system we, we brought that in over lockdown when there was social distancing and, and you know it, it worked quite well for for what we could do and what what we were allowed to do it worked quite well it meant that we could operate it meant that we could be there for for the uh, you know for guests and whatever and always have a bit of a, a presence on the street which was brilliant um but it just never it didn't beat face to face it it came it went from being so used and so sort of um so important in our operations to absolutely zero use within within about three weeks as soon as people got to walk through the door and, and go face to face to the bar and, and go back to that kind of lifestyle which is my experience as you keep touching on you know which is what you come to the venue for yeah, we, we moved the app system out quite quickly and, and that's that's not a problem to me. It meant I have more time to, to do other things, you know, so so that was good. I, th- I think just to jump in there, Flynn, I think, I think the app, it's strange, you know, when Flynn mentioned it came in and it, and it went out just as quick as it came in type of thing was, was really strange. You know, I was having conversations with everybody to say, let's monitor this over a number of weeks to see, you know, how much the app's being used, you know, compared to people hitting the bar again and, you know, Flynn put in, sort of three different elements of service for whether people were going to the bar for table service or for the app to make sure that everybody was comfortable who visited the venues. But within the first week, app sales dropped to 3%. So 97% of people went back to the bar. They wanted that, you know, that that experience, that sort of, you know, the zombies being set on fire at the bar, the sort of talking face-to-face with the bartenders, just sort of, I think everybody's really craving that from just looking at the phones, ordering drinks for, for months before. Uh, and then I think within another two or three weeks, it dropped below 1%. And then that was when I said, right, let's pull the plug. You know, the people have spoken. They don't want the app anymore. Uh and then since then, you know, we've left the app sort of sat there in the background in case it was needed. You know, we never knew what was going to happen uh, in terms of possible lockdowns. Uh, but we pulled the plug on it in January and just sort of said, you know, we, we know now or we, we're comfortable with, you know, how we're training. We, sh- we shouldn't need it anymore, really. Uh, but yeah, in terms of, you know, other, other systems, we have things in place like, you know, we have a, a plan there. Uh, which does all of our rotoring, our payroll, etc. So we're looking at we're looking at software in terms of being able to minimize time for team. So you know, with plan with plan day going in place, managers don't have to sit and fill out the spreadsheet each week on how many hours each employee's worked and send rotors out or take pictures and put it in groups and and all that sort of stuff. It it means that they can do rotors, the the sent out via an app. So each each member of the team has their own app where their shifts will ping up for for the following weeks, and and payroll's done pretty much with the click of a couple of buttons on on reporting. So we we sort of took out about twenty hours of what we just call dead time on people sitting in an office filling out spreadsheets to giving them that amount giving them that amount of time back to be on the front line, you know, on the ball with the teams. So that we we look we're looking at certain elements of software to be able to improve do that things like data capture with a crm system we we have all of them things in place but we're trying not spend too much time on that in terms of operations it's more so we use uh all of the software within the business mainly for either rotoring or then the marketing and sales and it's interesting with the time because yeah that's what you know, really, it's going to be critical what you spend your time on, especially you said, uh, Grand, I think you mentioned Flynn, that it's important that we keep on improving. So you actually also create the time to improve your business and step outside the, the day-to-day of lots of doing that needs to happen to, to run a business. 
I would like to ask both of you, uh, and, and you can choose who, who starts. I really, because like we all gone through this period and every time I meet a person, I ask this question on the show or not, what has been like your greatest, you know, significant learning in life or leadership over the last two years? Because like everybody has something big because it has been such a unique time in history. It's very much, uh, you know, the world over the past couple of years has been about a lot of change. There's been so many things happen, changed. I think a lot of people have had so much time to be able to sit back and think of exactly what they want to do, who they want to be. Uh, And a, a lot of that's meant that everybody has had to change within business. You know, we need to be able to continue that. So for me, it's been my head in a way has been rewired into that equation of change to be able to succeed, not just not just for the business, but personally as well. Uh, a lot of people get stuck in the ways to do the same things week to week, you know, month to month, year to year. Time goes past really quickly. So I, I think for me, it's solidified that in terms of, you know, always look to adapt to change, to better yourself, to to be able to move forward. So I think definitely an yeah, equation for change for me has been the, the big, big thing. For myself, I suppose, I mean, it's not, it's always been something that I've believed, but I think it's something that has just been more, um, more solidified over seeing what has happened. And it is just that people are definitely have to be the forefront of what you're doing at all times. The people that are involved, whatever it may be, if you can get them sort of on board a little bit more than um, what they may have been before, they're going to definitely deliver better results for you. Uh, you know, we, 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 Checked in with people through lockdown. We had Zoom meetings. We we did stupid, uh, you know, what was it, neck nomination or whatever <laughs> was going on there and made cocktails and sent videos out and gave each other challenges and stuff. And we kept a community um, all the way through lockdown, all the way through the sort of two years or however long it was going on for. And as we've sort of touched on already, when we came back, everybody was ready to walk through the doors when they opened and really sort of hit the ground running. Which to me, um, you know, it's quite it's quite shocking to see something like that for a, for a group as big as we are. So, mm. uh, I think it's really interesting that also that you actually you talk about actually how to live with change, and then you also talk about how you actually keep on doing something well and really focusing on and not walk away from it because exactly now we're doing well on people, but we actually need to drill down. And you talk a bit about what I call the little by little, a little becomes a lot. And suddenly you have this effect of it that you, every time you touch, it just becomes better and better and better. It's a bit like interest rate in a way in a bank account. <laughs> if you're paid yeah. interest rate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, sort of for me, the, the inconsistency is the consistency. So, you know, the inconsistency is the constant change and the looking to adapt, the looking to be better. Uh, you know, not just sticking with what we know works now because a month later that doesn't work anymore and it's too late now to change it because everybody else is doing it. So by by reviewing and changing, and, and, and it isn't just us in, in HQ, you know, that the meeting, we have regular meetings with the teams weekly to sort of say, how was it? What could make it better? You know, what would you change? You know, a lot of the ideas that we do and implement come really from the teams, from, you know, bar back all the way up through the system. So, you know, and uh, because because of that, obviously, it's allowed us to adapt, make service better because they're on the front line. They're serving people. They're talking to customers. They know what they want. They know how service could be better, quicker, regardless of you know training with radar systems and speed of service and stuff like that. They they just see it. They're working through it. So we've really, really you know made that a huge emphasis on you know listening. Uh, talking to people and uh, helping us make the, the right decisions as a business uh, over the past uh, over the past couple of years, uh, but yeah, you know that will not change for us now. You know we're always looking to be better, and we'll we'll always continue to, to do that. Is there like one example you can give of where you think you got an idea from the front line and you haven't even in the wildest world thought about this initiative? To be honest, the, 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 there's things every single week that come uh, in terms of different things like that. You know, as I was uh, mentioned earlier, sort of looking at, like, for example, an energy project of, you know, sort of how we can save money and, and other things like that. You know, we have things like lights on times and, and, and all sort of little bits and stuff like that. And some great ideas come from the management meeting on Tuesday in terms of, well, you know, why do we do this? Why Why does, for example, you know, we have uh, we have slush machines. You know they have slush mix in. They put the you know they put them in before peak shifts. 
leave them in the refrigerator, they're constantly turning overnight. And somebody said, well, why are we doing that? Why are we leaving them on? Why can't we just put the mix in the fridge overnight instead of having two bits of kit running? You've got one bit of kit, one bit of kit running. So it seems seems silly that something so small, you know, is such a fantastic idea because you know that seven nights a week, you know, you've just half the usage uh, on on one thing or one element of the business. So you know, sort of uh, that will make a big difference for that site of you know maybe two three hundred pound a year on energy. Uh, if they can come up with ten ideas, you know, that's a few thousand pound in in the bank, which, which is which is amazing. So, you know, the, the, te- the teams know more than what we do in terms of the sites on the ground and stuff like that. So we, we'll never stop doing them regular weekly meetings, you know, talking to them, being completely transparent, whether that be figures, whether that be direction of the business, whether that be the board reports. We, sh- we share our board meeting reports with the teams. Nothing's hidden. Everything's there. You know, it's a family. Everybody's part of, everybody's part of that. I think a great example at the minute is that one of my projects is having a little look at the staff handbook, uh, looking at what we can do to improve essentially working guidelines and, and what, what we can offer as a company. Um, and that's something that I've spoken, that's something that the team are going to be completely and utterly vital in. You know, It's been passed out to all of the teams to come to me with ideas for essentially create your perfect company, create your dream company. What would you want to work for? You know, what what benefits would you want? What all of the things, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to say yes to all of them, but if, if we can get all of this, this sort of um, these ideas over from the teams, then it's not just us going, oh, isn't this great? And pushing it over to them and saying, you know, look who you work for. It's a case of, right, you know, you've spoken, we've listened, this is the company that you work for now and, and this is what we can offer. So I think, yeah, that that's always going to be, as Grant said, it's always going to be the case that, uh, there's not much that we put through without either getting a sort of idea from or an okay from the, the teams, if that makes sense. We're, we're, we're good in that sense. That's super interesting because that's also a way to kill the old model of top-down to actually get people involved. And and I think everybody's aware that you can't have everything you wish for, but actually that just that you're allowed to wish it's like a huge, huge things for people, and and many people don't expect that in their workplace. I think I think I really, really like that uh, that idea there. I may come to regret sending that down to Flynn to do, but I'm sure. <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm sure I'm sure we're really going to be able to change that to make you know you know during the the expansion as well you know that we're that we're really wanting to to do over the next few years. We really want people to want to work for us, and without working for us and seeing the culture. You need to be able to show them in a way, and, and in a way, the staff handbook and the benefits and stuff in a way starts to show them that that culture from outside in before they become part of it or visit one of the venues as well. So it's important to get that right and you know uh, really look after the teams, but be able to attract some fantastic people to the business as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely spot on. So, one of my my last questions here to you is, um, and I don't know if there's one of you that has grabbed this one or you share it, but what like is your top advice? Uh, you can probably give a couple because you too like to business leaders out there from from your learnings because it sounds like you're on a on a good route. There's maybe some some great overall advice to give out there that people can go and have a think about in their business. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about team a lot, but I think I think listen to the team, take on board their ideas. Uh, the team should be at the forefront of the business. The, the, the people the people deliver the sales. The people the people are the business. Without the people, you know, we, we, won't, we won't make any money. We won't make any profit. We won't expand, you know. So invest in the teams. They will invest in the business and the rewards will will come back, you know, and then it's like that spiral. It's one of the things we do in the induction, you know, there's the business, the team deliver the sales, you know, the, the sales come into the business and then we feed that back in. So, you know, training budgets, learning development, and, you know, you don't get that without great people and, and looking after the team. So it, it's definitely the team for me. Uh, you know, I could mention loads of other things, but, you know, I think if you have a fantastic team, you have the sales, you'll have a fantastic business. I think from for me, number one for me, which always has been, just don't take it all too seriously. There's there's life outside of business, and I think if you're not experiencing life outside of business, then you can't bring any new exciting ideas into your business because you don't know what's going on. You just you know, as we say, you're just looking at that kind of day to day. What do I need to do? 
And I think COVID showed us that more than anything. You know, everything shut down for two years and everyone's okay in a, in a, in, a, in the grand scheme of things. You know, and and I think it's it's a case of you know that that that's one hundred percent what we like to push down to the teams as well. Is you know, we, any any ninety day plans or any anything that they've got to kind of focus on work wise always includes a personal goal. We want them working on something outside of work, away from here. You know, we don't call them on days off, emails on days off, all that kind of stuff. And it's the same in HQ. Um, we don't sort of pester each other when we know we're on holiday, which is something that I've come from in the past that really does affect you. You know, if you, you know you can switch off, so do it, switch off. Yeah, because it's so important to rest before you have to perform again. Great, that's some great advice there. Where, where can people find out more about you guys? Where Where's the best place to go if they want to be inspired or just want a good night out well i mean obviously like i mentioned before we've got we've got seven seven fantastic uh venues and leads you know it's soon soon very very soon we'll be in liverpool and we'll be uh trading the site in liverpool but you know it won't stop there the plan is to be in as many you know big university cities as possible moving forward uh we have that plan to grow uh we're on track with it we know where we are Flynn's doing a great job of building a new store openings team to really get the team involved in every new opening, regardless of where that is. Uh, we'll use our team to go across to train all of the new employees uh, and sort of get them, get everybody sort of really uh, drove into the culture, really, and what we're really trying to achieve, which we feel is the most important part. So, yeah, so keep keep an eye out. We'll definitely be, be coming soon, but all of our websites have some great videos on some great experiences of what you can really see when you visit the venue great great thank you so much both uh, Flynn and uh, Grant for, for taking the time to tell about your fantastic journey and and how you came out stronger on the other side I send you you all you and the team power and energy for, for the time ahead thanks very much Michael thanks for your time today thank you and it's been great thank you so much Flynn and Grant for your great insights into how you have found new ways boost your people's engagement and performance. Now ask yourself, what can we do to boost our people's performance and engagement? And if you want to learn more about how to build a place people love and support, tune in to episode number 167 with Dan Simons, co-owner and CEO of Farmers Restaurant Group, on slowing down to go deeper. A big thank you to Besimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at besimply.com or visit their social at besimply or besimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at besimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlton, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. I really appreciate that you're listening. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website, hospitalitymavericks.com. And if you have any ideas or feedback for the show, or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the weekly newsletter, Maverick Talk, via hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tingsam, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be Maverick! <laughs>